It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who, who strives valiantly, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who have never known neither victory nor defeat. That is a quote right there. Nobody talks like that anymore. That's Teddy Roosevelt. I actually have that quote framed and hanging on the wall in my office with a picture of a gladiator just for those days when I'm feeling like I need a little man pick me up. I got me a Teddy Roosevelt gladiator quote. And that's what we want to talk about today. We're going to talk about battle, being in the battlefield, being in the arena. I would say one of my top five movies of all time is Gladiator. Any Gladiator fans in the room? Uh, mostly the guys, a couple of the ladies, you're into that. But I love, love the movie Gladiator. I want to talk about being in the arena, battling today, uh, fighting the enemy, devil, Satan, whatever you want to call that. Because this series is about temptation, and, and, and we've talked about it from a few different angles. You know, the first week we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, and after they sinned, they hid, they covered themselves, and how all of us kind of struggle with that, that because we know we're flawed, we know we fall, we know we make mistakes, we hide ourselves. We hide ourselves from each other, we hide ourselves from God, we talked about that. The second week we talked about how when we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, we almost always do the wrong thing. So it's important where we are. Our environment matters. Took a break last week for Easter. And this week, I want us to talk about the spiritual battle of temptation. Those things that are happening um, that we can't necessarily see. And we'll read about that uh, in just a second. We'll see what Paul said about it. But this is a series about breaking free from those temptations and sins that keep tripping us up. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, ooh, so a fool repeats his foolishness. That's how gross and disgusting it is. And we know that feeling. I don't have to tell you about that. If you have something in your life that keeps tripping you up, holding you back, has you locked up, you know how gross it feels. You want to find freedom. Some of us for even years and decades, like we, we can't find freedom from this foolishness that we we're trapped in. It feels like freedom will never be an option. But throughout this series, we've been using 1 Corinthians 10, 13 as a, as a backdrop as a banner, I say, I say to you every week, put it in your phone, write it down, get a tattoo, like paint it on the side of your house. Whatever you need to do to not forget 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. In other words, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no matter how strong the temptation, no matter how uh, unavoidable it feels or inescapable it feels, in every single instance when you and I are tempted to sin, to do the wrong thing, to go our own way, every single time, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if we will stop, if we will pause, if we will pray, if we will look, we will find a way out, that God provides a way out so that we don't have to give in to temptation. 
We don't have to get angry and say those things. We don't have to look at that stuff. We don't have to sleep with that person. We don't have to take that substance. We don't have to steal that money. We don't have, like whatever it is that keeps tripping us up, God, every time we're tempted, every single time gives us a way out. In other words, you always have a choice. Doesn't mean you're gonna always make the right one, but you always have a choice. But even as I say that for some of you guys, it feels so idealistic so impossible. You think, Jason, that's great. Technically, maybe that's true, but you don't feel what I feel. You don't know what I know. You haven't experienced what I've experienced. I'm telling you, like nobody faces what I face. Nobody could say no to what I'm feeling. For you, the, the force, the, the, the temptation, the power of the enemy feels so strong. I was reading this week in Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah is a really interesting slash weird book in the Old Testament. Uh, but in there, there are these nuggets. And as I was reading in my devotions, I came across this passage in Isaiah 14 that I thought was so fitting for us uh, in this series. Uh, Isaiah, who is a prophet, is, is writing, he's speaking on behalf of God. So God is inspiring him and he's speaking. And this is what he says in 14 verse 3. He says, in that wonderful day when the Lord gives rest from sorrow and fear from slavery and chains. That's, that, that's going to happen one day. You got to know that. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is coming a day when all this will be over and Jesus Christ will, will have us in a place free from sorrow, fear, slavery, and chains. We want that. And we can find some freedom here, but there's coming a day when there'll be total freedom. And it says when that day comes, when it's all said and done, you, me and you, we will taunt the king of Babylon, which is just a representative of Satan, enemy. So in other words, Isaiah says there's coming a day when we're going to be completely free from chains, addiction, slavery, bondage, sorrow, tears, all that stuff. And when that day comes, we will talk trash to the devil. We're going to taunt. I, I, I love to taunt. I just got to be honest with you. I'm a trash talker. I got several group texts going right now about my North Carolina Tar Heels in the final four. And, uh, and we were actually hanging out with some friends the other day, and Andrea, these guys, these couples, and Andrea said, you know, I just want to brag on my husband. He has been so respectful, and he has not talked trash about how Kentucky lost and North Carolina's still in it. And the guys were like, uh, you don't, you're not on our text chain, okay? You're not on our group text. I'm like, babe, it's true. I'm sorry. I love to talk trash. And Isaiah says that there's coming a day when we will see the devil and we'll talk trash. And if you skip down to verse 16, this is what it says. It says, everyone there, this is us, will stare at the devil and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? In other words, we will look at Satan and we'll be like, for real? Like, this is it? This is the guy who caused us all that trouble. This is the guy who destroyed all those people. Like, this is what I couldn't find freedom over. This is the guy. This is like, he's like 5'6", 140. Like, he, he's nothing, you know? Like, it reminds me of The Wizard of Oz. I don't want to ruin the ending for if you haven't seen it in the last 80 years. Um, spoiler alert. But when they get there and they're so intimidated by The Wizard of Oz and he's this tempting there's flames flying out and they look behind the curtain and it's like this really insecure scared little man yeah. and Isaiah 14 is like that's how that's what Satan is 
So you think that, that, that Satan is attacking your life and he is this gladiator like, he is this scared little man behind the curtain pulling these levers and terrifying us. But, that's, but the reality is when we finally get to see him, we're going to be like, dude, he is nothing, right? Which is good news. But the battle's still real. We haven't found the little man behind the curtain yet. The battle's still real. And, uh, and so what do we do with that? What do, what do we do with this battle that we, that we fight? We don't want to give up, like Teddy Roosevelt said. We're not going to be quitters. We're not going to give up. We wake up every day. We choose to find freedom. We choose to, 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 to break free from this stuff. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to spend a little time there. And, and I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about it a little bit. So here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says a final word. Paul's closing up the book here. Apostle Paul, and he says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I just want to stop right there and encourage you today. Be strong. You have the power of God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the power of God inside of you, living the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. Don't enter into this battle with the enemy like a timid, scared little, you know, whatever. Like you are... A child of God. Be strong in the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not going to fall sometimes, but be strong. You're a warrior. You're a gladiator. Put on all of God's armor, verse 11, so that you will be able to stand firm. That's what we're wanting. That's what this series is about. We want to be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. The devil has a little different strategy for everybody, you know, but, 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 but we want to stand firm, so we're going to put on all of God's armor, verse 11. And look at verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, I don't want to freak anybody out. This is a real thing, but depending on who you talk to, they make it more glamorous than it is. In other words, what Paul is saying is, there are two worlds going on at the same time. There's a, there's a physical realm. like We're all in that right now. It's life. It's what we live. It's what we do. But there's also a spiritual realm. And, and no matter how intimidating that sounds, we all know that, that's, that, that there's a real element to that. We've felt that. We've experienced that. Even if we don't consider ourselves to be a, a very spiritual person, we, we have felt that in our lives um, before. And so, so Paul says there's a physical realm. But a lot of times, Paul says, the battles that you're fighting in, the, in, in, the, in life are really not about the battle that you're fighting in life. It's really about a spiritual battle that's happening that you can't even see. It's things that are happening in our thoughts and in our minds, and, and you, can't, you, can't, you can't touch it or feel it. But Paul's saying you got to know that if you want to find freedom in the, in the real world, You've got to fight a battle in the spiritual world. It's not just like going to the gym and lifting weights. It, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. So don't let that freak you out. It's not, it's not a scary thing. It's just a reality that, 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 yes, we might face some struggles in this tangible world, but the bigger battle is in the spiritual world. So that's what he says in verse 13. So now he's going to give us an answer for how to fight in that battle. Therefore, 13... Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy, which is, that's what this series is about. He says, I'm going to give you a way, a strategy to resist the enemy. 
uh, in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. You'll be standing firm. Stand your ground. Now, we're going to talk about the armor of God. We're going to jump back into this in a second. But I've got to be honest with you. I've never been a soldier. Never fought in a battle. I've never, like, been a soldier with, like, full body armor and swords and, like, you know, MacArthur. Not MacArthur. King Arthur. MacArthur was the 60s. That's a bad example. Uh, but you know what I mean. Um, so, but I have played baseball. Okay. And so when I read what Paul was saying about standing firm, standing your ground, I didn't really think of a soldier in battle. I thought of a catcher at the catcher's plate with a runner coming around third headed for home. I don't know if any baseball fans in here. I brought a little video. So just a visual. This is what Satan wants to do to your life. Let's go ahead and run that video. Heads up. This is kind of tough. This is what Satan wants to do to you. Boom. Okay. That's what Satan wants to do to you. That was that was a little, I should have given you more of a heads up. I apologize. So Paul says, listen, you got to stand your ground. Okay? Because Satan is going to come at you in this, in this battle. You're a gladiator in the arena, okay? So Satan's going to come at you, and he says, let me give you some strategies and some help to be able to stand your ground so that you don't get plowed over in this battle. Now, all of us are going to fall. We're going to get plowed over. We're going to feel like we got hit by a Mack truck at some point in our life. But he says, let me give you, so, 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 so Paul is going to give us the armor of God, but I'm going to change it up a little bit today. And it's not necessarily, we're not going to be talking about armor necessarily, we're going to be talking about catcher's equipment, but we'll make it work. All right. So just go with me on this. All right. So he says, stand your ground, putting on, um, uh, after the battle, you stand for verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be Fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So he gives us a lot of stuff there. Okay? He gives us a lot of stuff there. The armor of God. And that's what I want us to talk about for the time we have left. I've asked Devin to help me. Come on up here, Devin. I actually tried to do this myself in the first service, and it was a disaster. So now Devin gets to be a disaster, which is good. So remember what, remember what Satan wants to do to your life. He wants to run you over like that video we just saw. And Paul says, here's what I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to put on the helmet of salvation. See if that fits over your man bun, all right? Put on the helmet of salvation, okay? He's got it. Paul says, you got to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet... We know this. The helmet protects our mind. Our mind is what we think. And the devil in the spiritual world, he loves to affect what we think. The thoughts that come into our mind. I don't know about you, but I get some crazy thoughts sometimes. Anybody have any crazy thoughts? I get some crazy thoughts sometimes. I, 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 I have... Um, I have done some things. I have not done some things. Thank God for the things I didn't follow through on that came into uh, my head. But, I mean, there have just been times when I'm like, where did that even come from? How did I even think that? And, he, and, and Paul says this is the helmet of salvation. One of the biggest lies that the enemy wants you to think is he wants you to think that you're not saved. That you're not a Christian. And this is what it'll sound like. Maybe you've experienced this before. I say, you know, if you were really a Christian, if you were really saved, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't have done that. You're not the real thing. You know, because if you were really saved, you know, people who are saved, they don't do that. 
people who are Christians, they don't struggle with that. And if you, obviously, if you're struggling with that, then you obviously aren't saved. You obviously are not a Christian. God doesn't love you. Maybe that's the way we'll talk about that in just a second. But he, he wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants you to doubt it. But listen, when that comes, Paul says, when you start thinking those thoughts, Paul says, you've got to have on the helmet of salvation. And you've got to remember Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Let me say that again. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, which is good news because we haven't done a lot of good things. So none of us can boast about it. So, so, you know, there's not really, you know this, right? There's not really armor. So this is all a metaphor. It's all an analogy. So Paul says, when Paul says you got to put on the helmet of salvation, there's not actually a helmet to put on, but there is a truth to embrace and to maybe say to ourselves, to pray to God or to say to the devil who is tempting us in this moment, we say, no, you know what? I am saved. God saved me by his grace. And I did do some stupid stuff and I did make some mistakes and I shouldn't have done that. But that doesn't mean that I'm not saved because my salvation devil is not based on my actions. It's based on my belief in God. So, so Paul says, you got to put on the helmet of salvation. You got to protect the way that you think. You start thinking wrong thoughts, you start doing wrong things. Right? So you got to protect, you got to protect your mind. So the second thing Paul says is, probably should have done it in reverse order, shouldn't we? That's all right. Here, I'll trade you. He says, you got, to, um, you got to put on the body armor of righteousness. Now, if you grew up in church, you may have heard this as the breastplate of righteousness, the chest plate of righteousness. Modern translation, the body armor of righteousness. Because Paul says, look, there's a battle coming. There is a runner rounding third base who wants to plow you over. Okay? So you better get your gear on. He says, you got to wear the breastplate or the chest plate or the body armor of righteousness. So the helmet of salvation protects the way that we think. The, the body armor of righteousness covers our heart, which is how we feel. And, and, and the devil would love to come at how we feel. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, uh, but I don't always feel righteous. It's called the body armor of righteousness. So the devil will show up in my life and he will make me feel like I am not righteous. But the truth is I'm not righteous. I can't be made righteous. We'll read that in a second. But he wants me to believe that, that I'm unrighteous because of all the bad things that I do or have done or the way that I keep giving into temptation. So he will show up in my life. And maybe you have felt this before. But the worst part about giving in to temptation and sinning is not even the sin. It's the condemnation that I feel about myself after I do it. So maybe you've set a goal before or you set a New Year's resolution and you quit on it. And like, it's not even that you quit. It's how you feel after you quit. You tell God, God, I'll never do it again. And God is, you know, gracious. He knows that's not true. But you say, God, I'll never do it again. I don't want and it's not even what you did. It's how you feel after you do what you did. And that's the perfect opportunity for Satan to show up and to say, yeah, you should feel terrible because you're a terrible person. You should feel awful. God doesn't love you. How could God love you? How, how could God love you and love somebody who would do something like that? But Paul says you've got to wear the, the body armor. You know, one of the things about um, the, uh, the, the body armor that they wear back in the day is that um, somebody tried to stab you. And they may, or somebody maybe would shoot a, a bullet 
a little later on. And it would, it would get into the armor, but it wouldn't get all the way through the armor. So now it's like a bulletproof vest. So listen, you're going to take some shots. You're going to take some shots. But if you're wearing the body armor, like maybe it's like a bulletproof vest. If you, I've never worn one of those. But you see it on TV in the movies. I don't know. We'll just go with that. Like you may get knocked down, but because you were wearing the vest, you say, you know what? He, he got me, but I'm not dead. I'm still living. Okay. So when I wake up in the morning and I put on the body armor of righteousness, I'm not actually putting on body armor. But I am saying to myself or saying to the devil or praying to God, Romans 3, 21, 22. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirement of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, here we go, devil. We are made right with God. We are made righteous, some versions say, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So, so Satan shows up in the spiritual realm and he says, you should feel pretty awful because you're awful. You're, you're pretty unrighteous. And he said, you know what? I am, but it's not my actions that make me righteous or unrighteous. Romans says, I am made righteous by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm still placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm still placing. So you may have got me, devil. I took a shot, but I'm not out. I'm down, but I'm not out. I'm made right by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we don't lose heart and we protect our heart. Proverbs says, guard your heart because out of it flows all of your life. You got to guard your heart and you got to guard the way you feel. Listen, so many of us in the room have done monumentally stupid things because we didn't feel good. And we started feeling a certain way and we made a terrible decision all because of the way that we felt. All the way that we felt. We ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time because of some way that we, we were feeling. And we're, here, here's the beauty of righteousness in Christ is that when I believe that I am righteous because of my faith in Christ, I begin to do more right things because I know I'm righteous in Christ, not in myself. So I, so I go, God, thank you for making me righteous. And that in turn helps me to do right things. But if I keep telling myself I'm not righteous, I'm not good, I'm not good, I'm not good, guess what I'm going to be doing? Things that are not good. So i got to believe that I'm righteous. All right, so we're going to put on the helmet of salvation. We're going to protect the way that we think. We're going to put on the body armor of righteousness. We're going to protect the way that we feel, all right? And then he says, you need to put on the belt of truth. Nice little white golf belt there for you. You need to put on the belt of truth. Now, the belt is what holds everything together. So, so we're, we're, we're protecting the way that we think. We're protecting the way that we feel. And we, we surround ourselves or hold everything together with truth. And this is, not, this is easier said than done because there are so many voices in our life that are telling us things that are not true and telling us to believe them as though they were true. But when we base our life on the Bible and on Scripture, not on what our brother-in-law says, not on what our favorite celebrity says, not based on what our friends say when they tell us what we want to hear, but we say, you know, I'm going to base my life on truth, even the parts that I don't like because it inconveniences me or goes against what I want to do with my life. But if it goes against the Bible, I'm not going to believe it because I'm going to believe truth, all right? 
If we base our lives on that, then it keeps everything together. It keeps our thoughts together. It keeps our feelings together because we're basing it on truth. Second Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. If you want to find out truth, you got to get in the scriptures because he says scripture teaches you what is true. I love to read. I'm a reader. I read two to three books a month. I love to read. And I love a good book, but there's nothing like the Bible because it teaches me what is true. We're going to talk about the Bible in just a second. But and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It's the belt of truth. It's teaching me truth, showing me what's wrong in my life. Paul says you got to hold everything together with the belt of truth. Number the, the fourth thing. So he says helmet of salvation, body armor of righteousness, belt of truth. And then he says shoes of peace. Now we're going to put on cleats this morning, because uh, but these are some of Andrea's house shoes. And um, let's go ahead and pop these on. Now the reason I brought some house shoes for Devin is because after a long day when life's been tough, come on, you put on some nice, comfortable house shoes. Anybody, you like to wear house shoes around the house? Any men in the room? Okay, never mind. All right, so, um, so, so Paul says you got to put on the shoes of peace. You know, you, you never accidentally have peace in life. you got to choose peace. Peace is an intentional, on-purpose choice. And so after I know that I'm saved... I'm guarding my thoughts. After I feel that I'm righteous through God, after I've based my life in truth, I can walk in peace. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I can walk in peace because I know I'm saved. I feel righteous, made righteous by God. I'm basing my life on truth, and I can walk in peace. I don't have to be afraid of the future. I don't have to be afraid of what I face tomorrow. Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. I'm able to wake up and I'm able to say, God's got me. My life is in his hands. But shoes are also important because you got to guard and protect where you go, where you walk. We said two weeks ago, wrong place, wrong time almost always equals wrong decision. Right place, right time almost always equals right decision. The pantry at 10.30 p.m. at night, wrong place, wrong time. What do you do? You get the bag of chips, right? Gym, 7.30 in the morning, right place, right time. I'm convicting myself here, but you know what I mean. And so I got to put on the shoes that'll take me to the right place at the right time. I got to know I'm saved. I got to feel righteous. I got to have the belt of truth, and I got to put on the shoes of peace. And the last thing that Paul says is the sword of the spirit, but I don't have a sword. They don't trust me with a sword around here. Um, but the sword of the spirit just represents the Bible. This is our offensive weapon. So everything else is to, is to stand our guard and to make sure that the enemy doesn't knock us over. But the sword of the spirit is the weapon that we have to lash back. So when Satan showed up to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter four, he tempted Jesus, uh, at the end of his 40 day fast out in the desert, he showed up and, and tempted Satan, Satan tempted Christ three ways. And in every response, Jesus quoted scripture back to him. I get this image of my head of somebody walking through a jungle with a machete and just slashing and, and, and clearing a path. And this battle that we face, we have to have a weapon to be offensive and to have scripture in our life. Every time I open the Bible and I read the Bible, please hear me. If you're battling temptation and you're trying to do it on 
willpower and discipline, that's great, but you got to get some scripture in your life. Every time I read the Bible, I'm sharpening my blade. A couple years ago, I started getting uh, interested in cooking, started taking over the kitchen at the house, getting really excited about that. Andrea didn't put up any uh, defense. She was excited about it too. And um, at the time, Andrea and I had like an eight-knife set from Walmart for like $9.99. I don't know if you've ever had one of those sets, but they're great for like picking locks and stuff. And, um, and so I was talking to my buddy who loves to cook. He was a lot more advanced than me. And he said, the most important thing you can do is buy you a good set of knives. I'm like, really, man? I got some nice knives. He's like, no, nah, you don't. <laughs> He's like, feel this right here. I felt it's like heavy. I'm like, man, that's a knife right there, you know? I can cut through a shoe because you need a knife that cuts through a shoe or whatever it is. Anyway, point being, so I started cooking with good knives. Made all the difference in the world. Listen, you got to sharpen your blade. You got to sharpen your blade. So, so, yeah, the devil's coming at you, but how much scripture do you have in your life? David said, I hide your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. So that when, so that when the devil comes at me in this spiritual battle that we're facing, I know what God's truth says in the scripture, right? So I want to be able to stand firm. Let's wrap it all up. I want to be able to stand firm, and I want to be able to hold my ground. And so Paul says you got to protect the way you think. you got to protect the way you feel. you got to, you got to commit to truth in your life. you got to walk in peace, and you got to have the word of God. And if you will do that, when the devil comes at you, he said you'll be able to stand your ground against his strategies, you say, Jason, that's great. How do I actually put that on? Like, what do I do? Like, there's no armor. How do I put that on? You find the truth in Scripture, and you keep telling yourself that truth. Putting on the helmet of salvation is just you waking up tomorrow morning and saying, God, thank you for saving me. I know I'm saved. I know that my life is your, it belongs to you. I know that I believe in you. Thank you for saving me, God. No matter how I feel today or what the devil says to me, God, I thank you that you have saved me. God, I thank you that you've made me righteous. No matter what happens today or what lies the devil tells to me, I thank you that you've made me righteous. God, I am believing in your truth. No matter what other people say, tells me, culture tells me, people tell me, I am believing in your truth. Show me where I'm wrong and help me to correct my life according to your truth, God. God, I put my life in your hands. I'm walking in peace. I'm not going to panic or fear about what's out in front of me or what's going to happen or who's going to be the president or what's going to happen to the economy or What's going to happen in my office? I, am, I have peace, God, because my life is in your hands. And God, I pray that you give me a passion for your word. Give me a passion for the scripture. Let me hide your word in my heart so I would not sin against you. When we make those commitments, pray those prayers, say them to ourselves. We are putting on the armor of God. Make it work however it needs to work for you. But stop trying to go out and fight a spiritual battle without any armor or any weapons. Cover yourself and get offensive with the weapon. I want to be able to stand firm, punch temptation in the face. Let's pray.